0: I'm going to now ask you as we begin first Peter to stand for the reading of God's word. So please, would you stand?
1: Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself out into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off.
2: When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: As we're going through sojourn together, we are studying the life and the letter of Peter. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure when we think of Peter, we almost always think of his failures. He's the fisherman who struggled to catch fish. He is the disciple that fell asleep while praying in the garden. He's the one who tried to walk on water and sunk. He's the one that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, to. Which I don't think is recorded of Jesus saying that to anyone else. And preceding this episode in Peter's life, was the darkest moment of his life. It's actually the one we are most acquainted with. The crowing rooster. Like a scarlet letter, he's going to carry around with him for the rest of his life, the moment of his biggest failure. He's the one who denied Jesus. Not in the private area, but in the the public arena. The rooster crowing. An emblem of his failure and his shame. But that's not all of Peter's story, and it's really not the most appropriate symbol for him. You see, Peter's full story, and I want to mention at the outset, it's really going to be true of everyone here who is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's marked by faith, by failure, by forgiveness, and subsequently, future glory. Peter was a man of remarkable faith. He was a man with weaknesses and significant failure. He was transformed by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And he became what his failures said he could never be. He became the immovable rock. The appropriate symbol for his life. Who found something worth living for and worth dying for. Literally. And his story speaks to us of the power of forgiveness. You see, through Peter's story, we see that our failures turn into future glory if forgiveness has its way with us. And so we're going to look through Peter into ourselves at the greatness and the beauty and the wonder of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, we are a people who need You and often don't know it. We live and move and find ourselves having our very being in You. Would You redirect us towards You? And if we are already with You, would You cause us to leave today thankful, full of gratitude for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? I ask this in His name. Amen. Peter had lost someone he loved. What do you do when you lose someone you love? Grief sets in. And often what we do when we lose someone we love is that we go to a place, a really specific place, a place of cherished moments and cherished memories, a location where it's as if we're with them again. But Peter not only lost someone he loved, he lost someone that he failed. What do we do when we've not only lost someone we loved, but we've failed them? We hurt them. We've neglected them. We've betrayed them. We don't go to the place of cherished memories because, in this instance, it's doubly painful because grief is partnered with guilt, and guilty grief is overwhelming. And so, our tendency then is not to go to a place of cherished memory, but to run, to distract, to numb, to hide to do whatever we can so that we are not faced with that failure. And I think for many of us, what we do when we feel we are failing someone is we just go to work. It's a a healthy distraction. And if we can be successful there, then we're not riddled with our failures elsewhere. Well, Peter lost someone he loved and he failed the person that he lost. What would he do? Where would he go? Oddly for him, the place of cherished memory was also the place of work. Peter goes to the boat. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Look at the passage. After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which was also known as the Sea of Galilee. And He revealed Himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Fishermen who can't catch fish. The boat, of course, Peter was a fisherman and he met Jesus while fishing. Jesus met him in his place of work. And he uttered words to Peter that Peter would never forget. Let me take you back there for a moment. Jesus said to Simon, Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we've taken nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And Jesus turned and said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Follow me. From now on, you will be fishers of men. And they left everything and followed Him. Follow me. This is where it began. In that boat on this exact same water. In faith, Peter dropped his nets and he left everything knowing that what lie ahead had to be as significant as the catch of fish that were just brought in. In faith, he knew that what was ahead had to be greater than anything that he was leaving behind. Peter had remarkable faith. He was a fisherman turned follower of Jesus, a fisherman disciple who would find his life returning time and time and time again to that boat and that water. From that boat on that water, he would defy the laws of buoyancy for a short time. Lord, said Peter, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. What a strange request. And Jesus says, go for it. Come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and goes towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, we often look at this and find fault with Peter's faith. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. That's another sermon. I want to point something else out he's the one who asked Jesus to invite him to walk on the water. He's the disciple in the boat who said, let me come towards you just as you are coming towards me. He had a remarkable um, let's go walking on the water kind of faith. Comparatively, his faith even exceeded that of the other disciples. At another point, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Who do they say that I am? And the disciples said, Well, some say John the Baptist, Jesus, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Guess who speaks up? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You're not one of the prophets. You're the one the prophets were talking about. You're the fulfillment of everything we've hoped for. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. What a remarkable statement of faith. And Jesus recognizes it and says to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Against it. For Peter, there was nowhere else to go and there was no one else to follow. He was a fisherman caught by Jesus. And he was a man of remarkable faith and Jesus gave him a symbol, an an emblem, a, a nickname. You are Peter. That wasn't his name. His name was Simon. Jesus caught him and called him to a calling that was far too significant for a poorly Educated fisherman. Jesus said to Simon, You will be Petra, Peter, the rock upon which the church would be built. The future of Jesus' work was going to be tied in some magnificent way to this poorly educated fisherman who struggles to catch fish. Simon, now named Peter, his nickname says everything. His symbol's not the rooster, his symbol's the rock. But in our episode today, as Peter sits on the boat in that same water, he hears the rooster. His present reality is that he's failed Jesus and failed that calling. His present reality is riddled with failure and the gates of hell seemingly have prevailed. Darkness has won. The voice of his failure was loud. But church, as with us, His failures will lead to future glory if forgiveness has its way with Him. And so just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore and the disciples didn't know it was Him. And Jesus said to them, guys, children, do you have any fish? They answered once again, no. He said to them, why don't you cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some? And so they cast it out. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish That disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. It's deja vu. There's a man standing on the shore telling them to cast their nets to the other side. And when they do it, they catch a lot of fish. John is the first to recognize it, but Peter is the first to jump in. The one that he had lost and the one that he loved and the one that he failed had returned. There wasn't time for self-condemnation. There wasn't time for self-pity. There wasn't even time for confession. He knew that he had to get to Jesus. Failing and flailing, he swam as fast as he could out of that boat to the feet of the one he had failed. You see, the prospect of restored love overwhelmed the guilt of failure. The prospect of once again being with Him. That His last gaze across that courtyard had singed on His memory and singed in His brain. He had a chance to be with that lost loved one that He failed again. And so Peter swims in his failures to the feet of the one he had failed. Now, the question is how would the one he had failed respond? Isn't that our issue? It's hard enough admitting our failure, but to go to the ones that we have failed or are failing, how will they possibly respond? When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast with me. Jesus made a charcoal fire. Oh no. This may seem so small, so insignificant, but to Peter's eyes, it would have been terrifying, devastating. You see, Jesus is setting the stage of Peter's failure. This is the second of only two places in John's gospel where anthracaeon, charcoal fire, is mentioned. The only other use of that is a different setting a couple chapters before in a courtyard with a gathering of people who were warming themselves. Peter would have known. Jesus built a charcoal fire. He's setting the stage of Peter's failure. He's not silencing the rooster. He's calling it to attention. The failed promises. The denials. Peter said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. Jesus said, will you lay down your life? I tell you. The rooster's not going to crow until you've denied me three times. Jesus said, you will all fall away because of me this night. And Peter answered Jesus, though all these other disciples fall away, I will never leave you. Jesus said, truly I tell you, Peter, this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. I will go to prison and even death for you, Jesus. Though all these other disciples fall away, Not me. And the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire in the courtyard because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves and Peter with them. And a servant girl comes up and says, wait a second. Weren't you also with Jesus? The Galilean? And so it begins. I do not know who you are talking about. And then the second time, I vow to you that I do not know that man. Escalating, growing in intensity. The third time, let me be cursed. Let me be damned if I know him. Three denials and the rooster crows. And Jesus' last glance at the one that he loved who's about to be lost was from across that courtyard in his failure. What an incredible mistake. Peter, the man of remarkable faith, has very significant failure. He had completely turned his back, betraying the one that he promised to love in front of a charcoal fire, and here he is facing it again on this beach, and Jesus sets the stage. Do you know why? It's not because he's mean or vindictive, it's the only way Peter will ever be free. We repeat 100% of the failures we don't face. And Jesus wants him to be free. He wants him to be forgiven. He wants him to be restored to him and to his calling. He wants the rooster dead. He wants the rock alive. And what Jesus does next is choking the throat of the rooster. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter in front of the other disciples, Simon, son of John, do you love Me more than these? Remember, Peter, you said that you would never leave even if all of them did. Peter responds, yes, Lord. You know that I love You. Jesus said to him, then feed My lambs. A restoration to His calling. And Jesus said a second time the same thing. Simon, son of John, Do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said said it to him a third time. He knew what this was. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know everything. You know what I said in that courtyard. You know the deepest and truest part of me. I am laid bare. I am uncovered before You. You know everything. And of course, of course, I love You. And Peter, feed My sheep. Three denials. Three questions. Three confessions. As Jesus is making Peter face his failure, he is disarming the threefold voice. He's choking the rooster. With each piercing blow of the reminder of his failure, Peter is finding the transformative power of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Every bit of his failure must be covered. Every bit of it must be forgiven. Because that's what it means to be free. And Jesus won't stop short of freeing Peter the rock from the, the crowing rooster and he's restored to Jesus and to his calling friends whether you've fallen short or failed in your friendships with your spouse with your children only you know and that's not true He knows. He knows everything. But there's a message to be had here. He faces you with your failure to free you from Him. He lays them before you and He beckons you to come to Him in your failure and the power of your shortcomings so that you might be transformed by His forgiveness. There's none who have strayed too far. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is. A place where failure and forgiveness meets. In that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. While we were still sinners. Forgiveness had its way with Peter and he would never be the same, would he? His future was glorious. The rest of his life was spent founding and expanding the entire church of Christ. The one who once denied the name of Christ would now die for it. Through the transforming power of the forgiveness of Jesus, Peter had found something, I would say someone, worth living and dying for. And that's where Jesus ends. Truly I say to you, Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're older... You will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Friends, it ends where it began. Follow me. And Peter did it. He was martyred. Before this gospel had a chance to be written, he was killed, he was crucified. It's reported that he actually asked to be crucified upside down because he did not consider himself worthy to be crucified as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that a sad ending? Oh, I don't think so. I think it's glorious. Because it shows that if you encounter the forgiveness of Jesus, you'll never, ever, ever be the same. Do you believe the forgiveness of Christ could change you like that? Will you let forgiveness have its way with you? Who is Peter? He's the rock. A man of remarkable faith with significant failures who was transformed by the power of forgiveness and became what his failures always told him he could never be. An immovable rock who found someone and something to live and die for. The same can be true of you, but the pathway is from your failures to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I know there's some here who don't think that they deserve your forgiveness. And the truth is, none of us do, but they especially think their failure is too great. Even now, how they're failing in one of those areas is too great. Would they get out of the boat and swim to you? I pray. For those who don't think they need Your forgiveness, Father, would You remind them that all fail and all fall short. And set them free from the self-righteousness that would have them bound. I pray, Father, that You might even lead some who would come down front and ask me to pray with them because forgiveness has never had its way with them. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You came not for the healthy but the sick and not for the flawless but the failing. May we run to You, and may we find that everything can be made new. I ask it in Your name. Amen.